there's like a lot of good energy moving in this direction. Um, but there were like, there was definitely challenges on like, how do we actually do it essentially? Um, and so I think that's where we're focusing our efforts right now is, you know, listening to them, like getting that feedback and designing something that really is a, is a useful and practical solution for the industry. Welcome back to another episode of TFC Connections. I'm Nicole Clenny. And I'm Costanza Promontorio. And today we are joined by material scientist and textile engineer Brian Aizi to chat about his research on textile barcoding. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today about the innovative textile barcode because I'm eager to learn how it can promote sustainability in the fashion industry and also to understand how it works, the benefit, and any related information about it. So thank you so much, Brian, for being here. Yes, thank you so much, Brian, for being here. This is incredibly exciting research and a major step toward achieving circularity. Before we dive in, I'd love for you to share about your background and how you got into material science and engineering and more specifically the textile industry. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having Nicole and Costanza. Glad to talk to you. Um, yeah, I, uh, I guess you could say it's like in my blood to some extent. <laughs> my, uh, my grandpa has been, he had a dry cleaning business in New Jersey his entire life since like the fifties. Um, and I grew up going up there and, um, you know, reupholstering, he did reupholstery as well. And so we'd reupholster old pieces of furniture. And so I was around fabrics a lot growing up. Um, and then I think part of it too was, um, where I grew up in North Carolina's place called Gastonia. Um, and it used to be like home to like, I think like 200 textile mills or something like that. Um, maybe like a hundred years ago. Um, wow. and so, yeah, so it's, it was a big textile manufacturing center. And so what it, I say mills is mostly yarn manufacturing, um, but there were, I think some weavers and knitters as well. Um, and, um, kind of when I was growing up, I don't want to say essentially like textiles didn't have like the best rap because a lot of people lost jobs, like in their like late nineties and the early two thousands in where I grew up. Um, a lot of the, a lot, a lot of jobs were lost. Um, and, um, so when you brought up textiles, folks, you know, sometimes were like, oh, like, you know, I wish to sell those jobs, um, type of thing. But there were some mills that were still operating, for example. So I kind of, I guess, getting back to your question about like how I got into this was, um, when I was in high school, I had the opportunity to do some research, um, one summer and through that I got connected with the, um, NC State uh, University College of Textiles. Um, and they actually have a really awesome, uh, textile foundation that provides a lot of scholarships for students um, from all over the state and all over the country actually um, and um, one of the really like great contributors like one of the contributors to that fund um, is actually a textile mill in Gastonia which I didn't even know there's any still operating um, and they actually paid for my scholarship for undergrad was it uh, so nice yeah um, <laughs> um, so I'd say you know I don't think 
I don't know if I like set out going to college thinking about doing textiles, but like that that it was right, I guess you could say. And then I just loved it when I was there. You know, I it was the classes were awesome. I learned so much. Um, and so I think that kind of guided me to kind of where I am today. That is really interesting. And I imagine that might have some influence on your research now and it obviously led you to where you are today, but I am really curious, what was the genesis of your research? So this actually, it came about, so I, I just finished up my PhD last year at the University of Michigan in material science engineering. Um, and a lot of my research was focused on additive manufacturing, so kind of 3D printing. But I kind of always wanted to do research in textiles, um, like more more specifically um, as a graduate student. And um, during the pandemic, actually, my my brother he works for a textile recycling startup in California called Ambercycle, um, and he came and crashed me essentially during the pandemic. As I think uh, other people like that, I feel like more people I've talked to that's happened. More people. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, he came and, you know, crashed with me for a couple months, actually. And, you know, we were talking a lot and he was like, I was like, what are, you know, what's at work? Like, what are some of the challenges y'all have? And he's like, well, um, we don't really know what's in the textiles when we get them. Like, we have to do a lot of analysis to make sure they can, they're compatible with our recycling process. And he's like, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of effort. Um, and that kind of got me thinking um, along the lines of like, okay, what if, you know, what if we put something in the garment, you know, directly in the fabric, even that would help him, you know, would help someone at the end of end of use, who's trying to figure out how to process this into something new. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, that's kind of where it started was that was just the idea. Um, and through like some connections I'd had, I knew that there was, uh, these manufacturing facilities, um, at like they were in the Boston area mostly. Um, but they're, you know, the process itself is pretty widely used in optical, um, the optical fiber industry. So essentially making these really fancy fibers that have uh, special engineered structures within them that can be used for all sorts of different things. Um, and so I was thinking maybe we could combine those two things um, for the project. Yeah, sorting is one of the biggest challenges to textile recycling. And I read recently that textile waste is the fastest growing waste stream in the U.S. and worldwide. So there is definitely an urgent need, I'd say, for this type of solution. And it's very exciting, don't you think? Costanza and I both are very interested in textiles and materials. Yes, absolutely. So we would like to know everything about your research and the textile barcode solution. So how does the barcode work? So the what makes it special is um, we've engineered a structure using uh, different types of polymer. Um, so polymers, um, anything... Uh, it's like a, essentially a long chain molecule that um, is used to make all sorts of different things. So technically, cotton's a uh, polymer. Polyester mm -hmm. is a uh, is a is a polymer. Um, and so we actually use those same materials, uh, very similar materials, to make our fibers. So they're they're not you know I guess you could say chemically different than what's in a normal textile fiber, except that we've um, engineered them in such a way that they interact with light in a really specific manner, which is key to the key to the technology really. 
is that um, you, the example I always use to make it a easier to understand is there's certain butterflies that like you've kind of seen like kind of a shimmering in like a butterfly wing that's due to it's actually not due to a pigment or like a dye which is something that's you know pretty widely used in the textile industry but it's actually due to a structure um that's about the same size as the as the light that's interacting with it and so when you start making things at that um we say micro and nano scale so like you know millions of times smaller than you know what you can see with the human eye um then you start having really interesting effects um, that you can actually utilize for, um, for example, in our case, uh, a unique signature, a unique optical signature that you can read using a scanner, essentially. Okay, but so I, I have a question, like, you were telling me that it's a polymer, right? Mm -hmm. So it would be like plastic, made of plastic? Exactly. Yeah. So the, the key is to our technology is that it takes a couple, like one or two different types of, um, plastic and essentially puts them, like you put them together in a certain way that it interacts with light, um, in a manner that is controllable, um, and that we can create. Um, so for example, if you choose a dye that it certainly absorbs certain wavelengths of light. Um, it's going to reflect other wavelengths of that. So if you want to pick a, a red dye, for example, uh, for a textile, um, it's going to absorb away from the red region of the spectrum, and then it's going to reflect the red of the spectrum. So we, we do something similar with, with the structures within our fibers, except instead of using a dye or a pigment, it's, it's interacting with light, you know, in a way that, um, you essentially don't need a dye or a pigment. It's just based off of how the material itself is structured, but it's made out of, but the structure itself is made out of a polymer. Wow, that is really innovative. So being that you use plastic and we're talking about circular solutions, does that mean there's an opportunity to rely on discarded plastic? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's not a question I actually got too many times, but um I think so. Like, I mean, that's, I think that's the exciting part about this. If we're really talking about making this a circular product, um, you know, can we actually make our, our photonic fiber out of recycled content? And I think we can. And I think that is a goal of mine as well, is that, you know, um, if I'm, if I'm essentially the whole goal is like talking about like how to make these, like this overall garment more circular, like thinking about how do you make our product as well more circular, um, it is a goal. Yeah, that would be really awesome to be able to reduce plastic waste as well as textile waste. For sure. So basically, it's like a fiber that you are going to blend with the other fiber. Right now, um, it's a a fiber. You can think of it more like a yarn at this point. Right. Um, so it, it's it's of the same, a similar size as a normal textile yarn. So you could weave it, knit it stitch it and border it like you uh, a normal textile yarn or thread um but it's it's not something you would you know essentially mix in at the fiber stage but that is something we're actually looking into as well right now okay so you can see that on on the glow on the clothing uh so yeah so right now yeah you would be able to see our fiber um and and, and that's part of i think from some of the interactions and conversations we've had so far is um the the idea is is that you actually might want to uh, because for for example it's like it's the recycling stage um they um might need to know where to scan it for example um or 
and let's say even before then something else we're like looking at it for as well right now is actually like authentication um, right. and so if someone wants to you know know that this the item that it's been integrated with is for example authentic you at times you will want to see it and sometimes you won't um, and so we can change how it's designed to be i guess you'd say visible and also invisible at the same time um it just depends on how we actually integrate it into the whatever the item actually is and what is the percentage of the fiber in the clothing yeah that's a good question and <laughs> that's something we're figuring out right now so we're working <laughs> we're sucking um because it because it, it depends on a, a few different things and depending on what essentially how you need to get the information out yeah. um so I guess they, the best way I can explain it is, so I know certain recycling processes um, can take a certain percentage of um, essentially non-ideal uh, material, I guess you could say. Um, mm -hmm. So essentially like they're usually focusing on a certain polymer that they're trying to recycle into a new product. And, mm -hmm. but they, they're pro like a lot of the processes can handle a certain, some of them can't, but some of them can. Um, and so that's something we're working with them but also with designers right now is we're trying to figure out you know how much of the overall item actually needs to be our barcode to provide the information at the end of use that um and um but if you like a ballpark right now is we think it would definitely be like less than five percent um but hopefully less than that um if possible it's essentially any any amount of material you're adding in can disrupt for example the aesthetics can disrupt the the feel um of the overall garment which is obviously critical like no one's going to want to buy a, a really scratchy shirt <laughs> um, or like a, a shirt that doesn't that doesn't drape really well mm, yeah exactly so that makes me curious what would this look and feel like if you know at this point could this be any garment at the moment would this be like on a cotton t-shirt, a pair of jeans, um, or should I imagine something like really futuristic? For sure. Yeah. That, that's a great question because that's, um, that is a key to this, you know, it's, there's so much of fashion is like I mentioned about like aesthetics and also not only aesthetics, but like how it, you know, hand feel, like how does it actually feel when you wear it? Do you want to wear this thing? <laughs> um, yeah. um, you know, so you give someone a, like a, a bag to wear and they're like sweating inside of it. They're not going to be <laughs> too happy. Um, so that is something, uh, we're working on right now is right now. Um, the, the fiber is the goal. I think the, uh, near term, the goal is like to have it to be such a small percentage of the overall that it really doesn't affect the overall feel or uh, look of the garment um, if possible. I think that's, um, and that's, both from like a practical perspective, but also like kind of a cost perspective as well. Um, because the production of our fiber, like while it is made of similar materials, it will be slightly more than you know, your standard textile fiber. So we don't, the, the, essentially the, the low, the smaller amount that we can get away with putting into the overall item better. Um, I, I will put a caveat to this is however, there was actually this really cool project in the early two thousands where, uh, a company called Tajin uh, actually made a, a somewhat similar fiber um, into like a, an actual an entire garment. They, they called it Morphotex. And so they, and their goal, which was, they also, I, thought, I thought was super cool, it was actually an inspiration for this as work as well, was um, essentially the, a big part of the, like the, I guess you said the negative impact of the textile industry 
is the dying process. Like that's a lot of energy, but also a lot of, um, a lot of chemicals. Yeah. Act, yeah, exactly. Like, and, um, their goal was actually, can we use the same, you know, kind of those same butterfly wing properties I was talking about earlier to color the fabric. Um, and so, yeah, if you guys want to look that up, like, like the, the, they made this really beautiful dress entirely out of this fiber. Um, I don't really know what happened to it. It was like the early 2000s. I don't know if it was just a cost thing or or maybe it was kind of what you said is maybe it just wasn't very comfortable. It looked cool, but it wasn't very comfortable to wear. Or maybe ahead of its time too. Right. So you mentioned this idea came about to help with recycling efforts. What critical information would the barcode provide to do that? Yeah, that's a great question. And, that, and I think that's where... We, we think it could have a lot of benefit is, um, so for example, at the end of life or sorry, end of use, I've been having to stack a bit. I've been told that, uh, clothes aren't living. We should say end of use instead of the life. Um, uh, at the end of use of, for example, a garment, um, when you're going to the recycling stage, fiber composition is really important. So for example, a lot of our, as you guys already kind of mentioned is you have a lot of mixtures or blends of different fibers in our garments these days. Um, and so you need to have that information, but you also need to have the dyes that were used or like any pigments that were used. Um, and then you also, if possible, have how those materials were processed. So if there's any other like lubricants or anything like that used during the production process, all of that will affect the end of use, essentially pathway, um, that the, that particular item is going down. And so that all of that critical information would, would be in our in our system. Wow, it's so interesting. So it's possible to trust uh, to to have like a transparent um, supply chain of the of the clothing. Potentially, yeah. That's 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 something that is becoming like more and more of a um, a requirement uh, for sure. Like both uh, definitely in Europe, but also becoming more so in the U.S. Is that um, companies are are being asked to by regulation. Uh, verify their supply chains. And so this this could be something that could potentially help with that as well. Okay, so it's inside the yarns, right? So if you have like yarn from like different kind of materials, how can you track everything? Like you have different barcode for every yarns. Like if you're blending, for example, polyester with cotton, you have two different barcodes or it's just one for both of them? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's Similarly, like we're, we're kind of working on that right now is, you know, do we have, you could think like one idea that's been kind of pitched to us is like, oh, you could kind of be, I'm sure y'all seen the little tri recycling triangles on the bottom of plastic products mm -hmm. um, that tell you that this is, so it's like, I think like one is, I can't remember what the numbers are off the top of my head, but mm -hmm. um, like one of them says PET and one of them says PP for probably propylene. Yeah. Um, something so this could potentially be something similar to that is that um you add um a fiber that says oh this is uh, this indicates that this fiber is present or this and this fiber indicates that this fiber is present but part of the the key to the technology is, is that we don't think we'll need more than one like the goal is actually encoding all of that information into one fiber uh, so you're not having to add multiple different types of fiber um that might uh, disrupt the recycling process. Okay. And I am sorry, another question that yeah. while you're talking, it comes in my mind. So if like, if you put this fabric in the yarn, that maybe it's a natural fabrics, for example, like cotton, if it 
this fabric it's more like plastic it's not gonna contaminate in some way the natural fabric when you are to public yeah that is actually a great question and um part of when i was first starting to work on this project the goal was making it as circular as possible um i like now 10 years ago now i had the awesome opportunity to meet uh, bill mcdonough who was one of the writers of the creative of cradle um i guess you could say there's it's a standard now um but he was like kind of like one of the the first proponents of like hey like we need to be thinking about exactly like you're saying is okay if you start mixing materials together it gets difficult uh, for circularity like in by, by different materials i mean um they talk about them as like technical nutrients and biological nutrients. So like a biological nutrient would be like a cotton fiber, but a technical nutrient would be polyester. Like those would be two different things. Um, and what we're, uh, when I was starting to work on this project, the goal was to make the fibers out of chemical, like essentially make them chemically similar to whatever the content of the item that they're being integrated into, if that makes sense. So, um, so if we're thinking about, okay, if you have a, uh, a natural cotton garment and say it's hundred percent, um, if you added one of our fibers in there, we're, we're working right now, making that the, the special fiber code out of chemically similar materials as the overall garment. So when you put the whole thing into the recycling process, you don't have to do any separation if possible. That's the, that's our, like, that's our, our, our goal, our goal right now. Um, and we, we think we should be able to do that. There's, um, the kind of the physics of how we make the structures we think, we think should be possible, but that's, that is something we're working on right now. Well, oh, that's amazing. That's amazing because there are so many clothes that ends up in landfills because they can be recycled and people don't know maybe which kind of fabrics are inside. And with this, everything is going to be easier. Yeah, definitely. I agree, Costanza. And once in landfill, textiles emit heat-trapping gases and leach chemicals into soil and waterways. So this could do a lot for circularity, but also in the larger sense, mitigation of climate change and environmental degradation. Um, I want to circle back really quickly to what you mentioned earlier about the barcode being read with a scanner. Is this something consumers could do via an app or would this be legible only by certain companies and sectors? So right now, the as the technology currently stands, uh, you can't read it directly with a smartphone. Um, and so we're gearing this more towards um, it being something where during the manufacturing process, when it gets to either the resale center or uh, the recycling center, it will be easily readable by them. So the, the technology itself isn't really expensive, but it's not currently your smartphone, smartphone, for example. So you, you or I using our smartphone as it stands today, like couldn't directly scan our technology. Um, that being said, uh, we, we've been talking to this company that has demonstrated that essentially the piece of hardware that you would need to have in a smartphone to read this they've shown that you can put it into a normal smartphone. Um, and they demonstrated that like a couple of years ago now. Um, and so in the foreseeable future, I see this being something that becomes potentially a standard piece of hardware on every smartphone, um, as they become, as they become, you know, every, every, you know, every year, it seems like our smartphones can do more. And so I, I think this is something. They already know what I'm thinking. <laughs> exactly. 
so yeah, so that I guess that hopefully that answers your question is like currently no, but um, hopefully soon um, you'd be able to interact with it. Um, what we're thinking right now is it'd be you'd essentially have this within the item. Um, so that essentially kind of like on the back end, it can be read and verified. Um, but then you, we'd also have like a QR code, um, that you'd be able to interact with more directly as the consumer. Wow. Yeah. I think that would be great for enhancing consumer knowledge and deepening our connection to our clothes, because I think for many people, the journey of development and production from seed to fiber, to fabric, to garment, to our closet is so opaque. Right. So I want to shift gears a little bit and ask if there are any current limitations to this technology. I think one right off the top of that is the, you know, the challenge around, I guess you could say democratization of the reading ability of the, the content um, around like kind of how is, how does it stand? Um, so I will say that is like a current limitation, but something we're working on. Um, I'd say as well, um, there, and this is getting to kind of like traceability side of things is the more conversations I've had, um, it seemed like you, you essentially need to have, um, and I agree, like you need to have something that is there at the inception of the manufacturing of a product. Um, so whether that's, so if you're, for example, making a cotton yarn, like you need to have something that is in the bales of cotton. So like how you make a cotton yarn is you have these like you could have up to 40 different bales of cotton from all over the place getting mixed together to make one yarn, for example. Um, and so you, you kind of need to, if you want to be able to, you know, say, I know exactly where this was made and how this was made. You kind of need to start at that point, like all the way back um, at the beginning. And so I will say right now is that since our technology is something um, where it's kind of integrated a little bit later in the manufacturing chain, it quite can't quite capture that early those early stages right now. Um, but that is, you know, that is something we're trying to see actually right now is that can we apply the same kind of technological process to being able to, you know, mark or tag things at that earlier stage. Um, and um, we think there there might be some possibilities there as well. Um, but there, you know, that I will say that is like a current limitation. It's something I think that's where there is a lot of current need. Um, for these digital, you know, for the digital product passport, like you have to be able to verify that as a, as a brand selling something on the market. Mm -hmm. And like, do you think like, um, your barcode, it's like ready for a large scale application? That's a good question. So I think there's some key benefits to our technology is that it's, it's compatible with kind of existing textile manufacturing processes. So for example, like how we manufacture it is a scalable process. Like even, even in the lab, we can make like kilometers of fiber relatively easily. Um, and potentially that might be enough actually to start actually being able to have conversations with, uh, customers to be actually integrate this. Um, I would say right now, a lot of the, the questions that we're answering are actually more on the, I guess you'd say the systems side of things. So like how how are they scanned? How do you like encode all of the information that is like key, like the fiber composition and the dyes and the, you know, all of that information, how do you put all of that, um, into this, into the system is something that, you know, I think is a, like a bigger question for us right now and something we're working on. Um, so 
but I, I see those as being kind of goals that can be like worked towards relatively quickly. Um, and so I don't see this being something that's like 10 years down the line. I could see this, you know, you, I could see this being in, in items within like a couple of years, if, if not a year or two. Like, do you think also like fast fashion company is going to start to embrace it? Because it's all, it's a, an amazing solution for the fashion industry, but mm-hmm. it's also going to be like, I think a constraint for the fashion companies because for the, for the fast fashion companies, because for the first time it needs to be very transparent. So what do you think about it? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think, um, I think the overall like legislative push is already like yeah. the door is already being knocked on to say, to so to say to speak, um, by, you know, for example, um, governmental bodies that are kind of requiring companies that in the past haven't had their entire supply chain mapped out, um, it's becoming a requirement. Um, and so, um, I, I think, you know, working under the assumption that, you know, every, everyone like wants to do the right thing, um, if they can, and if it is, if, if it makes sense, um, and if there's a technology that helps them do that better, then I think there, um, that there can be some like positive like outcomes of this essentially for, especially for, you know, industries that like you mentioned have, you know, haven't had the best rap uh, in terms of how they've, uh, you know, been able to, you know, but for example, manage their waste, um, you know, like manage the, the amount of like items that are being produced and the durability of those items and ensuring that they last a long time. And they don't end up in not only landfills in the U S but they end up being donated and shipped, you know, halfway around the world. And that just magic, the carbon content of all of the carbon footprint of all of that as well. Um, and so I think, I don't want to say there's like a reckoning coming, but I mean, I think, I think consumers are becoming, you know, the work y'all are doing at fashion connection is like a lot of this is education. Like it's like educating consumers about the decisions they're making. Um, I think is really important. Yeah. So we can definitely say that another benefit of the barcode is that it's going to push the fast fashion companies to be like more, uh, to produce with more quality, to be more transparent, like to improve their supply chain. Definitely. Well, Brian, what's next for you and Fibercode? And go ahead and please share any opportunities that listeners and the Fashion Connection can engage and support. So, yeah, so exciting things happening right now. We're currently in uh, the National Science Foundation has this program called i um, And so the goal really is actually, you know, teaching scientists and engineers like myself how to the steps to actually commercializing something like a technology that they develop in their labs. Um, and so that's been really exciting. We're doing a bunch of customer and stakeholder interviews right now. Uh, you know, like actually reaching out to these companies and, you know, talking to them and figuring out what their challenges are and, you know, what, what do they need to be able to, you know, make their systems become more circular. And I, and I will say like overall, like everyone was talked to, like there's like a lot of good energy moving in this direction. Um, but there, like, there's definitely challenges. So, like, how do we actually do it? Essentially, um, and so I think that's where we're focusing our efforts right now is, you know, listening to them, like, getting that feedback and designing something that really is a is a useful and practical solution for the industry. Um, and we're, you know, essentially applying for follow-on funding through the government, um, through the government mostly, um, to continue doing some more research on kind of like the production process for the fiber. 
um, to be able to kind of meet some of those needs. Um, and um, yeah, we'll see. I, I'm, you know, I, I, it's been it's been kind of a whirlwind these last you know four or five weeks, uh, and so I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, but I think you know I think this is something that I definitely am excited about, and something I'm planning on continuing to work on, um, and hopefully potentially building a team around working on this moving forward. For anyone listening, um, we're still doing our interviews for our iCore project. So, like, we're talking to everyone right now. So it doesn't um, they call them customer interviews, but it could be like essentially any stakeholder in this ecosystem. So if you're if you're listening and um, you're someone who's working on circularity prod like programs for your brand, or if you're um, a manufacturer who's looking to become more circular, or you're a recycler, or um, even just a general consumer that's looking to you know like work in this space a little bit more, um, then I'd be happy to talk to you. Um, um, we have a website up. If you just look up fivebarcode.com, I think it'll probably be in the, in the Spotify link. Um, uh, then feel free to reach out. Uh, I'm happy to talk uh, whenever. Awesome. Well, Brian, thank you so much for being here today. It was a pleasure to chat with you and to learn about your innovation and I speak for all of us at The Fashion Connection when I say we truly appreciate you sharing your insight and your time with us. Yeah, thank you so much, Nicole. Thanks, Cassandra. It was awesome talking to y'all, and I, like, I'm excited to say catch too. I think y'all are doing awesome work. Yeah, really, thank you. Thank you so much for your time and to sharing with us all of this information. I feel empowered now. <laughs> I, I know way more, and I'm, I'm so happy, and I really think that this is a great solution for so many problems in this industry. So thank you so much for your research and for everything. I don't know if there's one solution that would change everything. It's going to take a, you know, a lot of people with a lot of different perspectives, but I mean, that's the exciting part too, is like, and mm-hmm. I think, you know, when I've been having all these conversations with different brands and manufacturers, like, I think it is a challenge, but it's also, you know, an opportunity um, to do things in a better way. And I think people are energized to like to work towards that right now for a lot of reasons. Definitely. 